Well, good morning, church. Give it up for the class of 2023. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my name's Nick McCall. I'm now the worship pastor. For the past seven years, I've been the youth pastor slash life stages pastor. So I'm really deeply close and connected with these students. Many of them I've known for a really long time. Um, and I've had the opportunity and the, and the, really the privilege and the honor to be a, a voice in their life from a young age all the way up through middle school and high school. You guys know those are hard years, aren't they? Middle school and high school, those are tough years. You guys miss those years? Anybody miss being in middle school? Notice how nobody's hand is raised. Those are the most difficult. They're awkward years, right? Everything's changing. You know, you're growing arm hair and you're like, this is weird. And your voice goes from here to down here if you're a guy. And they're going through all this stuff. And what's really cool is I've, uh, my wife and I, we've had the honor and the privilege of um, just being a, a consistent voice in their lives over the years. It's, a, it's an honor um, to work with these kids. I'll, I'll tell you something. I believe wholeheartedly and strongly in uh, middle school and high school students and young adults. Uh, I believe they're incredibly smart. I believe they're incredibly capable. And I believe they're capable of so much more than we may even realize. I'll tell you, as I've listened to them talk and their ideas, they're so smart. They're so smart. Um, I was really proud of our high school students. I'll just brag on them just for a minute. Um, I was talking to them recently and, you know, we go back and forth in youth group and we do different things. We've gone from, you know, doing like topic based uh, messages and then we've gone just really strict like verse by verse through the Bible. And I asked them recently, I said, hey, what do you guys prefer? And they're like, we prefer like verse by verse Bible study. And I was like, that's amazing. That's a win. Praise the Lord. They're hungry for the word of God. You know what I'll tell you guys? Today's world is difficult, but don't give up on these young people. Don't give up on them. They're incredible. They're absolutely incredible. And um, I could go on and on. I could share memories. Um, I could share lots of times where we've had long talks. I could, I could share struggles that, you know, many have confided in, in my wife and I in ways that we've just encouraged them. So if you see a young person here today, give them some encouragement. They're in a hard time, you know, especially those that just graduated. Do you remember what that felt like? You walk that stage and you're the, you know, you have eternity in front of you. You're going to live forever. Um, you're never going to die because you've just got forever in front of you. And then you blink and one day you're like, wow, I'm 40. And, uh, yesterday I was 18, by the way, I'm 30, so I'm not quite there yet. Um, but I do feel like I blinked a little bit. So anyway, I'm just, um, I could go on and on, but I'll stop there. Uh, if you don't believe in teenagers, please do. They're incredible, incredible people. They're world changers. And guys, the world is not doomed, okay? The world is not doomed. God is raising up a generation of people. They're going to do amazing, incredible things. Already are doing amazing and incredible things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to take a moment and just pray for them. Would you join me? And I want to encourage you as I pray out loud. I know I have the microphone, but um, pretend you have a microphone too. And just pray out loud for these high school graduates. Pray for those that are still in middle school and high school. There's a lot of challenges with being in middle school and high school today. Just with everything that's going on the way the world is, I'm sure a lot of them are really grateful to have a break um, for the summer. So pray for our students with me. Heavenly Father, we pray for... Our students, God, I pray for those that just graduated and walked that stage and now have their whole lives in front of them. God, would you be the light under their feet? 
Would you be their path, Lord? Would you guide them and direct them? Would you lead them in the way that they should go? God, I pray that you surround them with people who will be good influences, people who will be encouragers to them. I pray that you surround them with people that will help them as they go through life's challenges, as their faith is tested, as they have to make scary and bold decisions. Um, God, would you help them? Would you guide them? Would you lead them and direct them? I pray for those that are in middle school and high school right now, um, and just the challenges that all of that is and, and everything that they're going through. Um, God, would you help them to be a voice of truth in their schools? Lord God, I pray that they would be a pillar of truth. God, I pray they would fall in love with your word. I pray that they would stand firm on your word and, and stand firm on truth. I pray they would be good examples to their peers of what it looks like to love you, Jesus, and to be a, a real follower of you. I pray that you help them be that example, Lord, in their schools. I pray for our teachers, God who are teaching these students. God, bless them and give them wisdom and encouragement and insight as they lead these kids, I pray, Lord. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray all these things. And the people said, amen, amen. amen. Church, well, hey, I'm, I'm grateful to bring the word today. Um, I thought a lot this week about what to preach on. Pastor Ruben said, you can preach on anything you want. And I said, anything I want? And I felt a little bit like, um, you know, when you go to the Cheesecake Factory and there's like 87 pages on that menu and it's like size nine font and there's over a thousand things to choose from, it feels like. I had 66 books to choose from and I was like, man, how in the world am I going to pick something? Normally he'll give me a prompt. Um, but I felt just led to talk about transitions and changes in life. I, I felt led to kind of talk about um, what to do when we're faced with a difficult decision. Have you ever been there before? When you're faced with a, at a point in life when you just have to take that step of faith, scary step of faith, um, but I really feel led to talk about that. And we're going we're gonna to focus a lot on the Israelites today in a, in a really um, well-known passage in Exodus chapter 14. We're going to talk about the Israelites when they reach the water's edge and they've got to cross the, the Red Sea. Um, but to give you a little bit of a backstory, in case you don't know this, um, the Israelites found themselves in a place of bondage. They were slaves in Egypt. And well, how did they get to Egypt? Well, it goes all the way back to this guy named Joseph, if you remember him. And Joseph was sold to slavery by his own brothers, goes through a lot. There's a whole lot that happens in the life of Joseph. So all this stuff happens to him. And then he has a dream and he goes to Pharaoh and he says, hey, look, I got this dream. Uh, there's going to be a famine. So we need to be storing away a lot of grain um, because we're going to need that grain later on. And sure enough, Pharaoh listens to Joseph and they store up all this grain. And then the Israelites find themselves in a place of famine and they need food. And guess where they end up going? They go to Egypt and they sell themselves as slaves in exchange for food and for shelter. And then Pharaoh over time gets more and more greedy, more and more powerful. And, and the conditions for the Israelites got worse and worse. And then you got this guy named Moses who God literally calls out as the, he's, he's like, you know, I'm just going to go be a shepherd by myself. And God calls him and says, I want you to rescue my people. So he sends Moses and Moses stands up to Pharaoh and there's all these plagues. And finally, the Israelites are released. Pharaoh's finally like, I've had enough. Just go. Take a bunch of silver, take a bunch of gold and just go. And so they go and here they are. They finally left Egypt. And here's where we're at in Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. Um, Verse 10 says, as Pharaoh approached, by the way, I left one part out. Pharaoh's upset the Israelites are gone because he realized all his, all his cheap labor's gone. They're the ones who were making all the buildings, they were doing all the work, and he's like, we made a huge mistake, we need them back. So Pharaoh and the army go back to try to get them, to bring them back into slavery. And here we are in verse 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and 
panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. If only it had stopped it, they cried out to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? If only it had stopped there, but instead they just let Moses have it. Didn't we tell you this was going to happen? Why did you save us? We were perfectly fine. Moses is like, no, you weren't perfectly fine. You were slaves. You were miserable. And God wants to save you. But I think this is such a good picture of humanity. How do we respond? How do you respond when you're faced with difficulty? That crisis happens in your life. You lose that job you didn't think you were going to lose. Lose that family member. You lose that loved one. You go through that trial, that difficult chapter. You have that diagnosis. You know what I'm saying? How do you respond in those times? Because I think we can respond one of two ways. We can be like the Israelites, and it's easy for us to go there and to panic and to just allow fear to overwhelm and, and overtake us. I think, in, in fact, I think, I think that's our natural response is to react in, in fear and panic and, and also to put blame on other people. You know where else you see blame happening? If you look in the story of Genesis, when Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit, God talks to Adam and he's like, uh-uh, the woman you gave me, she made me do it. And then he talks to the woman, she's like, no, the serpent made me do it. Right? That's what we do. It's our, it's our human nature. It's our response. When something happens to you, are you quick to blame others? Well, it's their fault. If they wouldn't have done that, you know, I would have been better off. It's that coworker that, that they hired. They're making my life miserable. It's you. It's, it's, it's your problem, not mine. It's our human nature, isn't it? We panic and we blame. And it's how we react. You know, there's been moments in my life where I can think of where I can just totally relate with the Israelites here, where I feel like I'm up against the water's edge. There's water in front of me and it feels impossible. It feels like there's no way out and there's an army behind me. I know I can't face them. In fact, think about this. How many times in your life have you been in a situation where you feel like no matter what decision you make, it's the wrong one? Or you say, okay, I can make this decision, but I know this decision is going to lead me to this list of challenges. And I can make this decision and it's going to lead me to this list of challenges. Or I can stay right here and I have these current challenges. And then it becomes a question of, well, which challenges do I really want to deal with? Which circumstances are the most doable for me? We find ourselves in that place of just like fear and panic and wondering what to do for you. Maybe it's you're facing a career change. And although that new job means more money, Maybe it means less time at home with your family and you're concerned about how that's going to impact your family and your marriage and your, and your children and even your own, you know, personal health. Maybe you're, you're about to take that next step in that relationship, but you've been hurt before and you're concerned you're going to get hurt again. Maybe you're thinking about moving out of state because it's more affordable and your life's going to be easier, but you're concerned about all the challenges that that may Bring. How's that going to impact your children? How's that going to impact your family? How's that going to impact you? Is it really going to be as good as you think it's going to be? Is the grass really always greener on the other side? 
Oftentimes we find when we make that change, you take that job, you buy that house, you enter that relationship, you move to that state, you make that change. Oftentimes what you find is the grass is just as yellow over there as it is right here. And the challenge is, in fact, that you didn't anticipate that you now face over here. You kind of wish you would have stayed back there because the challenges weren't as bad. And I think what this really comes down to when we're making decisions in our life is all too often we make decisions based on emotion, impulsively, rather than on prayer and wisdom and seeking God and seeking wisdom from trusted people that you love. You know what I'm saying? All too easily, we can be emotional people. But I've learned something about transitions in life. I've learned something about facing the water and, and you know, figuring out what am I supposed to do is that transitions, um, they are usually scary, but they're great faith-building opportunities. They're really great opportunities to just lean into the Lord and trust Him moving forward. Your faith, maturity, and perspective grow when you face difficulty. People who always live in certainty often miss out on what God can do in the unknown. If you're a person who likes certainty, you like to know the way things are going to go, you like your spreadsheet, you got your 30-year plan figured out, you know where you're going to be on January 5th, 2053. Um, I just did that math that fast in my head. Anybody impressed? I'm kind of impressed with myself, to be honest with you. But um, if you're that person... I want to say there's nothing wrong with planning. It's good, to be, it's good to be responsible. I think that's being a good steward of your time and your resources. But what happens if God's plan is different than that plan? And how you respond to God's plan versus your plan is really important. That money you've been saving for whatever. What if God says, I want you to, to, to donate it. I want you to use it for something else. I want you to give it to whatever. Use it for whatever. Are you open to God's leading and God's directing in your life? There's great opportunity in finding yourself in this place of unknown, walking by faith, not by sight. There's a reason God calls us to do that. There's, there's real power in that because you learn to trust in the one who sees more than you see. You know what I mean? You learn to walk with the one who sees your footsteps and he already knows the future and he already can see where you're going to be. And it's so funny. Oftentimes we think we know better than God, don't we? We think we have a better plan. We think we've got it figured out. And when God leads us in a direction we didn't think we were going to go, it can be scary. And if we fear uncertainty, we resist. We dig our, our heels in the sand and we say, I'm not moving. I'm not going. I'm staying. This is my plan. But God's not going to stop persisting with his Leaning into the unknown requires you to be on your knees in prayer. Leaning into the unknown without spending time on your knees in prayer is not living by faith. It's gambling and hoping for the best. So there's a difference between like leaning into the unknown because God is leading you there and just making crazy risky decisions without prayer People who make really impulsive or emotional or really quick decisions without spending time in prayer, they're just hoping for the best. They're just going forward and they're like, gosh, I hope this works. This could be really bad if it doesn't work. But there's a difference when you feel like God is leading you there. Does that make sense? Are you following me? When God directs you to make a change, that's when you lean on him to take care of the rest. And you're not like, gosh, I hope this works. You're like, you know what? Whatever the Lord wants is what I want. 
It's a completely different mentality. And this applies to so much. You need to trust your children to the Lord. You need to trust your spouse to the Lord. You need to trust your finances to the Lord and allow him to lead you. Don't make crazy, impulsive, emotional decisions. Make bold, faith-filled decisions and let the Lord lead you. See, people who are walking with Jesus, they make good faith-driven decisions. They're okay taking risks because they feel like they're prayer-driven risks. They feel like they're faith-driven risks. They feel like they're God-driven risks. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's a responsible risk right there is when you feel the Lord is leading you in it. So the people, they all, you know, they, they're upset at Moses and, and like, bring us back to Egypt and we'd rather be slaves because we're just going to die out here. And I love Moses' response. You see a mature faith here in Moses. He says in verse 13, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. In verse 14, this famous verse says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Other translations say, just be still. In fact, um, the NIV Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I think there's really, really good power in that. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And just allowing the Lord to go before you, allowing the Lord to take care of some things for you. Sometimes we need to be still. Sometimes it's time to go out on the water, you know, and the Lord will make it clear to you when you're there. The difference between Moses and the Israelites here, you know, there was the Israelites response was panic. Moses's response was just, just hold on a minute. The Lord's going to deliver you. It's going to be okay. The difference is Moses was walking with the Lord. The Israelites weren't, they didn't have that relationship with God. They didn't have the prayer life. They didn't, they weren't meeting with God, you know, in the tent of meeting, they weren't meeting with God on the mountain. They weren't they didn't have the relationship with God. And so for the Israelites, their natural tendency was panic. But Moses had a different mentality. He saw the challenges that they were facing as an opportunity for God to move. And that's huge. And that's what you and I need to make sure we grasp and understand is that difficult opportunities, difficult times in life are often just opportunities for God to move. And for you to sit back and wait and trust the Lord and what he does. And it's important to be okay with God's plan, even if it's not what you originally wanted. And that's hard. Have you ever said that prayer? You ever gotten to that place where you're like, Lord, I can tell you how I want this to go, but I'm okay if it goes another direction. I'm okay if you take this another direction. I'm okay with whatever you want to do, Lord. That's a bold, scary prayer. It's okay to tell the Lord your plans. It's okay to tell the Lord what you want and you can ask him, but, but you need to be all right. If the Lord does something different, if the Lord leads you in a way you didn't plan on going, see those with strong faith and maturity understand that everything that happens has spiritual implications. People who are walking closely with the Lord, they see challenges and they take a step back and they think, huh, Lord, what are you doing here? Lord, what's this about? What, what, what do I need to learn? Or what is People, what do the people around me need to learn and what's going to happen through this and how are you going to use this? And as you look at our world today, instead of, you know, overreacting, which is really easy to do, just take a step back and say, Lord, what are you doing and, and what do you need me to do in this? And how can I be a, a strong voice and how can I be used by you? And 
what do you need from me? Rather than, you know, throwing it all out there. Trusting in the Lord is so important. Everything that happens has spiritual implications. And so Moses, he keeps crying out to God and he keeps trusting the Lord. And even though he's got this entire nation who's upset at him, does anybody envy Moses? I don't envy him at all. Not, I don't want that position. I don't want that spot. Everyone's upset at him and he's just trying to lead the people the way the Lord's calling them to go. And you get to verse 15 in Exodus 14. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. You sense a little bit of the, God's just annoyance with the people a little bit here. He's like, what? Just, just tell them to get up and go. It's going to be all right. Pick up your staff. Go to the edge of the water. Lift up your staff over the water and just trust me and watch as I move right before your very eyes. The other thing I notice about this is I love how clear the Lord just spoke to Moses, you know? Like it was just, it was plain. It was laid out for him. Wouldn't it be nice if every time you were faced with a decision, it was just that clear? Wouldn't that be nice? God's like, all right, here's what you need to do. Um, here's step by step. Just do this, this, and I'll take care of the rest. But it's often not like that. God will give you peace. He'll speak to you in other ways. And I think about that and I think, yeah, the Lord was, he was really clear with Moses, but the people still messed up. Like they had, a, they had it laid out for them and they still responded poorly. They still grumbled. They still complained. They still lacked faith. And it was literally laid out in front of them. To make things worse, they had a clear direction of where to go. During the day, God was in front of them in this pillar of cloud. It was like, follow the cloud. It's that easy. And at night, it was a pillar of fire. Just follow the fire. That, you want to see God? He's right there. Look, everyone see that pillar of smoke? There he is. It was that easy. And they still messed up. So if you're feeling a little bit envious or you're feeling like, well, gosh, the Lord made it so clear to them. Well, they didn't do any better than you and I do. And they had it right before them. You know, even though they had it before them, they still needed faith. And um, you and I need faith too. And sometimes God's moving before you. Sometimes you've got the cloud and everyone else can see it but you. Everyone's like, don't you see that? God's, God's moving right here. Don't you? How, how are you not seeing that? And you don't want to be the person who's the only one not seeing the cloud. Walk close with the Lord. The Lord will guide you. He'll direct you. He'll direct your steps. When the direction you're supposed to go is not abundantly clear, you'll need to patiently wait on the Lord to give you some clarity. Sometimes... It's not clear right away. Sometimes it's not clear for a while. Sometimes you're going to walk through something for a long time. And you're just going to keep going. And you're going to keep waiting. And sometimes the Lord's just going to let you keep walking by faith. And he's not going to make it abundantly clear at first. And that's okay. There's times where the Lord says, just be patient. Just wait. I'm going before you. I'm working things out, but it's time. Those are times for you to practice being still. Those are times for you to practice waiting on God to move. Don't make impulsive decisions and call it faith. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference between making quick, emotional, impulsive decisions and making faith based decisions. And the difference really comes down to your prayer life. 
It comes down to your relationship with the Lord. Before you make that decision, before you make that move, before you quit that job, before you pull your kid out of that school, before you make that change, before you buy that car, whatever it is, book that vacation, whatever it is, before you do anything like that, just take a moment and spend some time with the Lord. Pray about it. And you want to look for two things. When you're seeking God's will, that's such a common question, isn't it? How do I determine God's will for my life? Um, every one of us has asked that question multiple times, probably daily even, right? But um, Pastor Ruben told me this one time when I was younger, and he said, there's two things you want to look for when you're seeking God's will. You want to look for peace, and you want to look for provision. You want to look at, okay, as I'm about to make this decision, do I feel a peace about it? And I can't describe the peace to you because only you will know what that peace feels like. It's like you're about to make a decision. You've probably experienced this peace before, you know what that peace has felt like in the past? That's what you want to pray for. And it's not that you necessarily have it all figured out, but you just you have a sense of calm in your soul and your spirit that what you're doing is the right thing. Even though it may feel crazy, you have a peace because you know the Lord is with you. And the second thing you want to look for is provision. Provision is that you can feel that God's already gone before you. It's like when you, when you take that step, you have that conversation with that person, and it's like they already knew you were going to talk to them. That's because God's been going before you, preparing their hearts, preparing your heart. It's when you go and you apply that for that job, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're like the perfect person. We've been waiting for this. Um, it's, it's the ways that God works kind of in the, in the behind the scenes. And you can just feel that God's already walked the path before you. It's like you can see the footsteps in the sand that God's already taken care of some of the things and just lined it up for you. That's God's provision. Do you want to look for God's peace? And God's provision before you make decisions. If you're, if you're about to make a decision and you just feel uneasy, and every step of the way you feel like you're just hitting a wall after wall after wall, maybe it's time to pause, take a step back, and be like, maybe the Lord's not leading me in this direction. Maybe it's not time for me to do this right now. This is crucial. Don't mistake desire for peace. Don't mistake desire for peace. Just because you want something doesn't necessarily mean God's leading you to that something. Does that make sense? Don't mistake desire for peace. I'll give you an example. I'm going to tell you a personal example. Those of you that know me, uh, this is going to be no surprise to you. I've wanted a truck for a long time. I don't even, it could be an old truck. I'd be fine with like a 1980 something Ford or Chevy, whatever. It can be new too. I don't care. I just want a truck with a truck bed that runs. It's a real desire of mine. Um, if I could paint like a picture for you of my perfect, just like a fun day off for me, it's going to help you guys get to know me a little bit. I would love to be in like a truck with the windows down, driving with my fishing rod in the back, and I just have a cooler full of fish that I just caught. I'm not a great fisherman, so that probably doesn't, won't happen for me, but that's like a desire of mine. But I don't have a piece about buying that truck. Believe me, I've looked into it. I've tried. It's, um, there's no provision there and there's no peace there. I know the Lord knows the desires in my heart and you know, maybe one day, but now's not the time. And I think that's a, something that all of us need to learn and just make part of our daily practice or daily life is we need to say that phrase. Now's not the time more often. Now's not the time. Maybe later, you know, Rachel and I, we got a baby coming in a couple of months. Now's not the time. We got other things to think about. I can't go buying a truck right now. 
Even though I desire one, I don't have a peace about it. And the same thing goes for you. You may have desires. You may desire to quit that job. You may desire to enter that relationship. You may desire to buy that house, move to that state, book that vacation, whatever. You may have the desire, but ask yourself, is now the time? And do I have a peace? Is God going before me? Is God already providing that? Or do I need to wait? Ask yourself, is now the time? And don't mistake desire for peace. Um, Moses did a great job of just seeking the Lord, and, and he ultimately does what the Lord tells him to do. In Exodus 14, verse 21, he listens to the Lord. It says, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Just like that, God provides a way. When it seems like there's no way, it's impossible, they're faced with the water in front of them and an army behind them, they feel like they're trapped, they've got nowhere to go, God makes a way. Now, God didn't need Moses to lift up the staff over the waters. He didn't need Moses to do that. God could have snapped his fingers or just thought it and opened up the water. So why did he ask Moses to participate in that? Why did he decide to use Moses in that way? There's a lot of, you know, Bible scholars talk about different things, but I think that, honestly, the Lord likes to work with us. I think the Lord likes to allow us to be part of what he's doing. I think the Lord wants us to know that he can do greater things through us than we can do through ourselves. And I think God often gives us opportunities to do something crazy, like lift your staff over the water and just see how I move. I think too many of us, if we can use this metaphor just for a second, we know where the staff is. You've all got one. And God may be asking you to lift up that staff, but you'd rather leave it down because you're a little nervous about what might happen. Maybe God's been calling you for a long time to lift up the staff and jump in and do the thing he's been calling you to do, but you're, you're, you'd rather leave it down. Maybe you're comfortable where you're at. Maybe you don't, you don't want anything to change. Maybe you're resistant to change. But maybe God's been calling you to do something, to jump in, to have that conversation, to put yourself out there, to make that faith bold decision. And it's time for you to pick up the staff, hold it over the water, and just see what the Lord can do. You have no idea what God can do through you if you will just say yes. And imagine with me if Moses had said no. Imagine what would have happened to the Israelites if he had said no. They'd have gone back to slavery. And they may never have left this time. And ask yourself, okay, so what... What are the people around you going to miss out on? And what are you going to miss out on if you don't pick up the staff, take the step of faith, and see what God can do through you? It's time to stop being comfortable. It's time to stop living and, you know, just coasting. It's time to take the bold faith step that God's been leading you to do. I'm not saying make a crazy, irrational, emotional decision. I'm saying making that faith decision, that thing that's been on your heart that you feel like the Lord's been calling you to do for a while, it's time to be obedient. It's time to say, yes, Lord, I'm your servant. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. Yes, Lord, I'll serve you. 
Yes, Lord, I'll jump in. Yes, Lord, I'll allow you to use me. Yeah, it's really, really scary for me. But it's time to allow the Lord to use you. Um, It takes faith to make a decision. It takes more faith to sustain the strength to keep going. In this instance, I think about the Israelites. And it took took a fair amount of faith for Moses to lift up the staff over the water and, and to have faith that God would part the water. But it took even more faith, I would argue, for the entire Israelite nation to walk through it. I mean, just imagine with me for a second. You're walking in the middle of the ocean or giant body of water here, the Red Sea, and you've got walls of water as tall as skyscrapers on each side of you. Can you imagine the sound of the rushing water? Like a, I mean, I imagine it just had to be rushing. I mean, it was wind that separated the waters. You've ever been to a raging waterfall? Imagine that like crazy, and you're just in the middle of it, in the middle of this rushing water. I think that the Israelites found themselves in a place where they were in the middle of the walls of water and it took faith to keep going. Sometimes it takes faith to get it started. It takes even more faith to keep it going. Because you have this constant reminder that at any second, God could crash the waters down and crush you. And it's good because it reminds you how small you are. It keeps you humble. It keeps you walking with the Lord and trusting that God is going to keep the walls of water up for you. It's good. It's good to put yourself in the middle of the ocean. It's good to put yourself in scary situations. It's, well, not dangerous, but it's good to put yourself in faith situations where you're like, you know what, God, if you're not in this, I'm going to crumble. God, if you're not leading me, I'm not going to make it. God, if you're not taking care of me, this is not going to last. It's good to put yourself in those positions Because that's when you know that God is with you. It keeps you humble. It keeps your faith solid. It keeps your trust in God solid. And it it, it helps you move further. It's important for us to make sure we're living our lives in such a way that if God were not in it, we would crumble. Ask yourself this question. What level of faith is required to sustain your way of life right now? What level of faith? How much faith does it require for you to do what you're doing right now? Is it easy? Piece of cake? You got it? You got it figured out? You got it? You're coasting? Life's good? Or do you wake up every day thinking, Lord, I just hope you, I pray that you keep this going. I pray, Lord, you keep leading me. I know you're providing for me. I think that there are people um, in other parts of the world that have much less than us, but they have it much better than us, you know? We've become so dependent on our necessities in life. We've become so dependent on our our self-driving cars, our cars that start with a push of a button. I have a friend of mine um, that's pretty cool. He he can start his car with his watch. Like, you in the future, man, that is awesome. But we've, we've gotten to this place where um, we live in such a way where we feel like what we have is necessary for survival. And you put yourself in a position where you see people who have much less and they're somehow happier. And they're somehow better off than us. We've become, as a people, myself included, so reliant on our stuff 
on the things that we have, on our abilities. We think that we need all that to sustain our lives. But, you know, there's people that depend on God even just for, like, desperately for water, desperately for food. And every time they eat, it's like a, it's a real gift from God. God provided. They get to eat today. They don't get to eat every day. But today they get to eat and they thank God for it. I believe they're, they're richer in faith and trust in God because they've, 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 they've had to live in such a way where they've, they've been in the middle of the ocean with walls of water and they understand where they're at. They understand how desperately they need God. So if you're in a place where you feel like you desperately need God, that's amazing. Stay there. Don't get comfortable. Don't get complacent. Put yourself in the middle of the ocean with walls of water on each side and trust that God is providing for you. I believe that wholeheartedly is so important to our way of life. I'm going to wrap up here soon, but to finish up the story, Moses leads the Israelites across the water. The waters, if you know the story, come crashing down on the Egyptians. They don't make it and they drown in the middle of that in the middle of that body of water. And then the Israelites wander in the wilderness for 40 years and Moses leads them. And he gets to a point where he's 120 years old. Wow. And he gets to a point where he realizes he's not going to be able to finish the job. He's not going to be able to lead them into the promised land all the way. Um, It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse one, when Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people of Israel, he said, I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan River. But the Lord, your God himself, will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river, just as the Lord had promised. So now you've got this transition point in Moses's life where he realizes he's done. He realizes that he's not ultimately going to see the promised land. He's not ultimately going to be the one to lead them across the Jordan River. Someone else is going to do it, and his name is Joshua. Joshua was Moses's assistant. He'd been working with Moses. He'd been learning under Moses. He'd been walking, you know, close with Moses and just learning the ropes and how he was doing things. But Moses was initially the person that God called. And initially, what's interesting is Moses felt like he was the wrong guy. He's like, Lord, you got the wrong person. I can't really speak. And I just, I just, I don't know about that. And the Lord calls him anyway and uses him. And I think that God called Moses because he was the right person for that season. And then it was time for the next person to lead through the next season. These things happen in seasons, and I believe that God puts us in certain situations, in certain places, in certain people's lives for a season because you're the right person for that season in their life. You're the person who's going to speak courage to them. You're the person who's going to speak hope to them. You're the person who's going to speak truth to them. And I believe we're all intersecting in and out of each other's lives because God has put us in places for certain seasons and certain times. You know, God sees all that and he he puts all that together. And so now it's Joshua's turn. And Joshua chapter one, verse one says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses's assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River 
into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. So it's now Joshua's turn, and interestingly enough, there's now another body of water that the people have to cross. I think that was intentional. I think that was on purpose. I mean, think about it. God showed his favor through Moses at the crossing of the Red Sea. And now Moses is gone. They're faced with yet another body of water. They have this other leader and he's doing the same thing this time, uh, leading them across yet another body of water, showing the Israelites that God was going before them now, just as he was then. Think about this as bodies of water. This may change your perspective. You may encounter challenges to be reminded of the power of God in your life. God may allow you to enter body of water after body of water, challenge after challenge, circumstance after circumstance to remind you that he's still good, that he is still powerful, that he's still God, that he led you through the water before he'll lead you through it again. And the circumstances may be different this time, but God is still faithful and he will still lead you through. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Praise the Lord for that, right? We should view bodies of water, challenges, circumstances. We should view them differently. We should view them as opportunities for God to display his power in your life. And yeah, they're hard. And nobody looks forward to them. Nobody's excited about challenges. Nobody's excited about difficulties, hardships. No one loves going through those things. But when we go through them, we can lean into the unknown and trust that there is a God who parted the waters before and he can part the waters again. Each time he's faithful. Yeah, he's faithful. This time, when they reach the body of water, God does something different. The the Levites, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, as soon as their feet touched the water's edge, Scripture says that the water stopped flowing and it backed up all the way into the previous town and even into the Dead Sea. And yet again, the Israelites crossed on dry ground. And this time, as they crossed the water, guess who was in the water with them? The Ark of the Covenant. You know what the Ark of the Covenant was? It was God's presence with the people. In it were the Ten Commandments. There was some manna and there was Aaron's staff in there. And these things, this ark, this covenant was God's presence. So as they walked through the water, they had to walk right past the ark of the covenant to be reminded that while God was in the water with them, he was holding back the waters so they could go on dry ground. Church, your God goes before you and he'll stand in the middle of your challenge and he'll be there with you. And he'll hold back the waters. Sometimes we gotta walk through the waters though, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's not always dry, but the Lord's with you. He's carrying you through. So wherever you're at today, I wanna just close here with this. Wherever you're at today, whether you find yourself in a place where circumstances are easy 
where you find yourself, you're like in the middle of this thing and you got walls of water on each side and you feel like at any moment it could come crumbling down on you, but you're gonna continue to have faith. Wherever you're at today, trust God to lead you through it. And don't be afraid of walking through the water. It's gonna be difficult, but they are great opportunities for God to move through you. They're great opportunities for God to show you his power. But process them, mourn through them, cry through them, get angry through them, process through them. All that stuff is normal and it's just part of it. But allow God to strengthen your faith and your courage and your trust as you walk through them. He's a good God. He's a trustworthy God. And you gotta get to a point where you say, God, I trust you no matter what. Even if the waters come crashing down, I still trust you. Even if the worst thing imaginable happens, I still trust you and I believe you are good regardless. That's the faith of somebody whose walk with God is mature. And that's the place we're called to be. Let me close this in prayer together. Lord, I thank you that you are the God who calls us out. You're the God who you see us and you, you, you know our potential more than we do. You know that we're capable of so much more than we realize. I thank you, Lord, that you're with us in the storms. You're with us on dry ground. You're with us in the difficulties. I want to pray for the people here right now. If you're walking through a difficult situation in your life right now, I want to encourage you to know that God sees you, that he's with you, that his timing is perfect, and that although it's difficult, although it's challenging, although you feel like your faith is tested, although you feel like you don't see a way out, you don't know how you're going to make it through this, how this difficult circumstance is going to happen, you can trust that God sees your situation. God, would you reveal your presence to us? I pray, Lord, that when we walk through the storms, that you show us your power, that you show us your might, that you show us your glory. Show us that you are a big God. Show us that you are a trustworthy God. Teach us, Lord, to walk with you closer. Strengthen our faith in you, God. Strengthen our trust in you. Strengthen our ability to make difficult decisions based on faith and based on trust that you are leading us through. We worship you here, Lord. You're so good. If you're here today, you want to give your life to Christ. Best decision you ever make. If that's you, I encourage you to just say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you right now. I realize now the waves are bigger than I thought. And I need you, Jesus. So now I surrender my life to you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I trust you to lead me. Will you give me a clean slate? God, I know I've, I've done some stuff that I'm not proud of. Will you forgive me of my past decisions and will you help me make better decisions moving forward? I trust you, Lord, you're my God. I worship you and you're my savior. It's in Jesus' name, pray.